0: You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. What is up, punters and dribblers? Welcome back to another episode of All Talk with the Halo Sport Podcast. And we are joined this week by an elite athlete of Australian and international sport. This man was a rugby league player for the Tigers For the Broncos, for the Bunnies, winning a competition in 2014, the famous grand final. Sam Burgess's face all broken. Not Sam Burgess, but you know the grand final I'm talking about. He also then went over to chase the dream of rugby union in England, representing
1: the English,
0: funnily enough.
1: Funnily enough, Tom, he also happens to be a fucking bit of a charismatic cat. He's got a way with words. He's got an ability to make stories pretty fucking funny. He is an engaging gentleman, a physical specimen. Oh, he's
0: a physical specimen. He's also a budding rugby league coach. He coaches the Dolphins' Q Cup side. He's also an assistant to the big dog, Waynos. He's also a great bloke. And a great bloke. Flew down here on his own dime. Didn't need to. We could have Zoomed it, but he flew down here just to do the podcast, which was a huge lift yep. from this man. And that man is Ben Teo. <laughs> Do you enjoy it though? It's good. I actually really like the, the show.
2: Yeah, I, l- I love it. I, I didn't want to do it, you know? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm coaching at the moment, so that's my passion. Yeah. And then Gerd sort of hit me up about doing it. He said, oh, that's not re- really for me, to be honest. And he said, oh, no, I think you've got a good opinion and we work well together, so let's give it a crack. So mm. started doing it. And then for some reason, you just get interested in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, probably try and give people a different perspective.
0: I find it to be, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke, but like, I find it to be like you and him, specifically you though, as well, on the, even on the Triple M show, to be like calm rugby league opinion. Like, rugby league opinion is so like, what the fuck's going on here? Or like, this person's doing this. Or like, it's all very like up here. Mm. And I feel like you bring a real, like, nice, calm, measured, thoughtful, considered, like, perspective to shit. Like, even that with the Bulldogs one the other day. Oh, that was
2: good. Yeah. yeah, well, I think goods is pretty measured, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, goods is measured, calm and measured. And then um, I think if you're if you're not chasing headlines, then you can give a, a better answer. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think people forget that some of the guys on those shows straight away they find out. Okay, how did that go? How many hits do you get? How many views? What's yeah. the reach? So people who are <sighs> People who are off contract, you can sometimes tell because they're going balls <laughs> out. They're throwing anyone under the bus because they just want to. <laughs> I, I need to make this statement big and this needs to go viral yep. um, so I can get a new contract. And mm. I couldn't live like that. So mm, It's
0: tough. Yeah. We we like to believe that that's what Gerds was doing when he uh, said that Manly were flat tracked.
2: Oh,
1: my God. We're mm. huge
0: Seagulls fans here and we've yeah. never forgiven him. We, we never, ran him well, out well, of we, town.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We haven't got Definitely over it, right. to be
0: honest. No. We haven't got over it. We made him leave. We turned the beaches against him and then... Yeah,
1: but, but he deserved it. it. No, he didn't. In all due respect to Gerds, yeah. it <laughs> was it was a low blow at a, at a high time for the club. <laughs> yeah.
2: He was pretty brave uh, to come out with that statement being that he lived in the area <laughs> oh, no, and dude. he had multiple businesses <laughs> yeah. in the area. All his cafes were in the area. <laughs> yeah, all his cafes, yeah. you know, could have been smashed and Firebond. burned down. Yeah, and... Um, but in the end... Was he right? No, he kind of was. Yeah, That's the, was worst right, yeah. Yeah, the worst part. Yeah, the worst. Watching South Sydney, I was at that game watching South Sydney um, like dismantle them. It was a bloodbath. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah, it yeah. was tough. Yeah.
0: It was tough. We were we was like we were on that sort of sugar high of Tommy Turbo just fucking everyone up, and it was like when things got tough. That's what it was. It was a two yeah.
1: liter bottle of Coke, and we we're having a great time, and sugar overload. Yeah, it was sugar a hive. serious crash, <laughs> and to be honest, we haven't quite
2: recovered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know.
0: Similar to, so did you want to get into the media though? Like uh, podcasting, same sort of shit, sort of. Like what what was the, how did you see it differently to doing the Triple M, say, to doing the medicine?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think I was doing the medicine before I was doing the uh, Triple M show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was was doing the commentary. So that's what I enjoy. I enjoy doing the commentary and trying to paint the picture for, you know, the truck drivers out there or the people leaving work who can't get to the game so they can get an idea of what's happening yeah um so I give my opinion on that and then that sort of led on to doing the shows and yeah doing some podcasting and uh I, yeah i just think i've been around so many places i think it's probably a good thing to just share my experiences and, mm. and how i see the game mm. yeah
0: there was a moment a couple of weeks ago when you went at, and I think Gerd's as well, but you went at Riccio all around the players, the, mm. the player bargaining and all that sort of shit. And yeah. you sort of like, you went back at him because there was seemingly like this real collection of journos who were just like yeah, yeah. anti-player, like don't fucking step yeah. out of line here. And you brought up how seemingly unfair it was the way they were going at Clint Newton. Yeah, But you just sort of went back at him, or you went back at him specifically on the show. I don't think he and there's no diss on him but in that moment i don't think you really answered any of the questions like that you were sort of putting to him but did you do you feel uncomfortable having a like do you know what i mean like that yeah. combative sort of thing where you're on air and you're like Fuck it, i'm gonna go at him or are you just
2: like well it, it is very awkward because obviously we're on air and we can and it just goes and then and it pops off and then they go to an ad break or they go to a song <laughs> and we're, we're just there you know and it's silent it's like uh you know the producer might say something like um uh we're all good boys yeah <laughs> and we say yeah we're all good uh, we're all yeah, good right. and, and then we move on but you know in that in that space i felt because the players weren't talking you know that, that that's something that they had decided not to do and i think the players and the rlpa were very smart into make a stand without hurting the fans mm. so the games were still fantastic we, mm. we just couldn't hear from them um the product was good there was no one there to sort of back up clint and i felt like the media it, it when you're inside the environment you understand how it works mm. right? and i reckon there was a directive from some people in the nrl to these people in the media go and smash these guys mm. put the pressure on him hammer him until they break and, and we can get our way and i think he was sort of standing there alone you know hands mm. up he was yeah doing his best and he was fighting, but because the players couldn't talk, no mm. one could come out and support him. Mm. And I looked around in the media space and everyone was sort of just, you know, a step back. And I thought it had got to the point where they, they had overstepped the mark, especially mm. some of the stuff I saw on 360 just looked to me like uh, it was a bit of schoolyard bullying. Mm. and Attacking um, the man. Attacking right the man, yeah. And I, and I thought, well, I'm going to get up here and I'm going I'm to back him. And I hadn't even spoke to Clint then. Um, but he did write me a message after it was all over, um, sort of thanking me for the support because, yeah, we, I just thought he, he was there. He needed someone to sort of stand with him. And I thought Gerds did a good um, job too because yeah. he, he can support a lot of those um, facts from a business point of view. That's, yep. that's yes. what he's into. So, yep. Oh, look, it was a, a crazy time and now it's over, right? And now we're all friends again. <laughs> you know, we're all friends. But at <laughs> no, the time, yeah. I mean, man, he was under a lot of pressure. Um, just purely from some people in the media
1: Did you th- was did that surprise you That not an, as many ex-players That are in the media now Spoke out Or are they just like Is there such a strong directive Inside these media oh, companies I'll, To be like You yeah. don't say a you, you, word
2: I could say I could say there is And they'll say No there's not on my own man I'll do what I want yep. But that's not true I don't think And I, I think there's a lot of ex-players That um, Are employed by these companies That Everyone was on board. This is our um, – this is the way we're going to look at it and this mm. is the way we're going to attack it. And they sort of stepped back and, look, sometimes you can't blame them, mate. They're like, that's that's their job. Everyone's yes. got their – Everyone's yeah, got their everyone's job and they've got their, their things. They've got to toe the line sometimes. Yeah. And I think guys – well, I know this for a fact. There was guys that were on the media who were just um, ex-players who were quiet, mm. but behind the scenes they were supporting Clint. Right. You know? Yeah you're going well man stand your ground we mm. got your back and all this <laughs> I got your back just not I'm publicly yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of like I don't know I like, like if, go if they well <laughs> yeah. 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 if yeah. don't ask me publicly I mean I yeah. might say something different um, so no, I'm lying. but yeah and that's the one thing I would say about Triple M was outstanding is, is uh, there was never any type of oh guys this is the way we want to go at this it was just up to us and that's what I thought so I went with it yeah, yeah. it was cool it was good yeah
0: um, there's a lot of the, your career that's interesting that I want to talk about as well, but, like, you're in the coaching game now. Yeah. 36, 36
2: years old? Yeah, 36, yeah. Looking good. Looking
0: better than <laughs> looking, us. Looking, looking well. <laughs> than us. Not that that's a fucking...
1: It's, we're not setting a high bar, Tom, <laughs> and I don't think that... It's not about us. <laughs> no, it's
0: not. <laughs> uh, but, so, like, where, how long have you been... So, you're at the Dolphins. How long yeah. have you been doing that for? How did that come about post-career? Was that always something you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, oh... Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I, I never, ever, ever wanted to be a coach. Um, I thought they were all strange cats. <laughs> I thought they were all ex-teachers, weirdos, <laughs> all those things. And um, But I think when I travelled and played rugby, I sort of sat back and realised that I'd been under some of the best coaches um, in both codes, from from Tim Sheens, you know, Yamal Meningas, Michael Maguire's, and then Warren Gatlin and Eddie Jones in Rugby Union. And I sort of come back and then I was at the Broncos during those tough times and I end up retiring and I wanted to stay around and do a little bit of work. And I'd started to do some with some of the young kids mm. um, or oh, some of the young players that are coming through now, yeah, yeah Xavier Willisons and Brendan Peacuras and Jordan Rickey, but there was no spot there for me. And I ended up getting in touch um, through a few people with Wayne Bennett and uh, he, he invited me to his he was staying on the Gold Coast. He was in this apartment. So I drove down the Gold Coast to meet him. And
0: What's that like getting a call from Wayne? Just being like, Is that just sort of out of the blue? He's like, Hey mate, what do yeah, you Yeah, he said,
2: Oh, if you want to talk to me, you know, you gotta come down and see me. So I you know, hopped in the car, went down and sort of waiting outside his apartment, he rocks up with a bunch of shopping and he's like, <laughs> Oh, I've just been at the grocery shop, so just come upstairs. So we we go in and um yeah, he opens up the door and um it's funny, actually, open up the door and NRL 360's on the TV. He's like, Oh, well, this is oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, shit. It, like, <laughs> he turns it off and uh, he's unpacking his groceries and he's, um, you know, he he's, uh, it's funny. He just sort of said to me, You know, you, you want to coach? He sort of said, Yeah, why do you want to coach? And I said, Oh, you know, I just think I've got something to offer. I think I've seen a lot. I think I can do things uh, a good way. And, help young young players reach their potential and then um yeah we just sat there and he talked me through it what what do, what do he reckons i learned overseas and what i can do better and he said okay if, if you want to coach um i'll give you a team you got to coach your own team he said that's the only way you'll know whether you want to coach mm-hmm. so he gave me a under 21 side yep. which i coached last year
0: mm. hectic
2: and you got to coach this team you know from november December, January, Feb, like pre-season, four days a week, you know, nights. So I'm I'm working during the day. I'm coaching at night. You're driving home at like 8.30 at night. So you'll know whether you love it or not when you do that. And that's what he wanted to say. So he said, coach this on the 21 side and come see me in a year and tell me if you still love it. And then he would check up on me like uh, every now and again. um, We'd be doing training sessions and he'd just turn up.
0: Like really? Oh. Up. Yeah, so I've
2: got an under 21 side, and they're like looking, and like Wayne Bennett's rocked up to training. Heck, yeah. And you wouldn't believe the amount of drop ball that starts happening, <laughs> Like, they just, the kids just get so nervous. Um, And Wayne hates spiral passes, but I used to teach my team spiral passes. He hates spiral passes. He hates it. He goes, oh, I hate that flickety flick stuff. Like, (laughs) I don't know, but we used to do these spiral drills. But if I looked and I saw him coming, I'd be like, boy, six o'clock passing, six (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. No spirals. (laughs) (laughs) No spirals for the rest of the session. Um, And, yeah, he'd come down, watch me, and he just saw me progressing. And then this year he gave me an opportunity to do the Queensland Cup. Mm. So I'm doing Men. Now, um and any guys that miss out on his side, I coach, um but it is hard because like i'm thirty six and then a couple of my players are thirty three that I played with, yeah you know, like yeah like Louie, I played with him at the Broncos, so yeah.
0: how do you navigate that dynamic?
2: Yeah, i'm, I'm just, it's just starting, I think over time that that'll phase out yeah. having to deal with that yeah, but, of course you know I can't be like um. Oh, boy, so don't get on the piss and all that. Yeah, when he's yeah, like, yeah. man, I, I knew you. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm also 33. I'm like, I'm a grown man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going exactly. to get on the piss. Oh, I
1: remember, I think I recall, it might have even been you on radio, but oh, someone speaking of Wayne and his approach to coaching. Uh, and he was speaking about how important he thinks it is to do what you're doing go back, have your own team. Passive. Work through adversity. Understand what you do in certain situations. How do you win? How do you arrest momentum if you're on a slide? Like all those sort yeah. of things that he that in his opinion he doesn't think that a lot of these new coaches are getting. They're just assistant coaches sitting under someone else and they don't know how to do it themselves. Is yeah. that sort of the information? Is oh, that, was that his approach to you?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. No, first thing he's he's like, you got to figure out if you love it or not. Because mm. he said when when he finished. Uh, playing and he was in the police academy. He he was coaching, I think he was coaching three teams at once. Jesus. Yeah. And so he he just loved it. It's <laughs> yeah. like you know, and he wasn't yeah. getting paid. He just loved it. So he's saying if there's no love you can't you can't go far. Yeah. Mm. So first things you gotta love it. And then second thing, yeah, you gotta learn how to run your own environment. Mm. And that that is the issue that all these coaches are having because when you transition out of footy you go str- you stay in the nrl system mm-hmm. you know, and you help out you might do the back three or you might do ruck defense and then you just work your way through never having to drop players never having to deal with players personal stuff that's going off the field mm. never having to give the halftime speech when you're down 36-6 mm. you know never having to um, all, all these types of things that you just don't get mm. and then If you're in that system and you do your time and then you get into the NRL, well, when you're making mistakes, you're making them on a big stage and there's a lot of pressure. And so he's saying you've got to learn that first before you get into the NRL system. So most players that come to Wayne um, and talk about coaching, the first thing he says is go get your own team. Mm. Do you
1: find yourself – how often do you call him for advice and how often does he go – you've got to figure it out yourself. Is there a sort of like – yeah, Radical. it's probably,
2: he's always there. So, yeah. um, he used to just check the scores, like, online. And then, um, if, if I had a win, he wouldn't really bother me. And and then, if I had a loss, he'd ring in and say, Oh, what happened? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but never forget, this year, I had a really bad loss. My first big loss. Um, it was like 60 to 4. It was Oof. something ridiculous. It was one of those days where just everything goes wrong. Mm. And... I didn't want to ring him and he didn't want to, I don't think he wanted to ring me. He wanted to see me in person. And I saw him in the gym and um, he sort of waited till a few people had left the gym and he come up to me and he said, well, before you look and blame anyone else, have a look at yourself first. And, Shit. He, and I was like, Oh, I was, <laughs> was oh. that
0: worse than you could have expected? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then he was like,
2: uh, <laughs> you know, what, 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 what could you have done better? You know, selections, you know, how you prepped them this week. You know before you start pointing the finger, um, have, have a look at what you could have done and, and then work from there, because in coaching, you can you become nasty sometimes, you know, when mm. players aren't playing well and they're not getting you the result. If you start thinking like that, mm. you can start acting quite strange, and that's mm. where the pressure builds. So I think putting it back on me, it was a good reflection. Sheesh. yeah so it's like good lessons you know like yeah, stuff sure. like that he he ring me and say oh what what did you think about this and um what's your plan going forward and yeah you know, all these type of things I, I think brilliant for a young coach right?
1: is it if you find that addictive like the more you Absolutely know the more addictive. you know you don't know, but then you're like start yeah. obsessing over it all, yeah,
2: on. you become obsessive yeah. and it And I think all coaches would agree, whether you're coaching under 14s or up to NRL, um, it's hard to get balance in your mind Mm. because you're always thinking about it. Like, how can we train better? Or what's this week looking like? Um, Selections. And I just think you're right. It's the unknown. You're just chasing it. And you become – I'm quite addicted to wins and losses. Mm. Like, I I enjoy – all of it really like, yeah i love it i love it so when you, you mean get,
0: even when you lose you're when i lose feeling? i'm
2: like, addicted to like all right how, how are we, we gonna better? do yeah how, how do we, do we get out, out? Here, yeah. what went wrong there yeah. i need to find out what went wrong yeah. Yeah. and when i find out what went wrong if see if i can fix it mm. and then if i fix it then i get another then, kick. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah yeah, yeah. It's like a video game. <laughs> Seriously, that's what I was thinking about. Was but thinking you can, can never clock it, though. The <laughs> yeah, but you can <laughs> never clock you it. You can never clock it.
1: Putters of Dribblers, today's episode brought to you by Good Day Bang, Rose on there, Code Manly, 50 bucks off a case, pretty fucking generous if you ask me. But we love the punter and we love the dribbler. And we're just like, let's get this vintage out there to the people that yeah. want it most. Let's get it in the gullets of the nation. That's right. Gull it
0: up. And what about the what about the player development side of thing? Because I imagine that would also be addictive seeing like players get better and, like, you yeah. know, reach their potential and, like, you know, maybe you're putting a bit of faith in someone to do something or to, like, yeah step up and then seeing them do that.
2: Yeah, it's one of those ones that it's never um, – it just never goes up and up. It just goes up and it drops. Yeah. Right. You know, you got to p- build them back up and it drops. And it drops. And it's just – and sometimes it becomes frustrating, but what I do know as a player myself is I was that. Yeah, I I did those. I went up and I went down and Mm -hmm. went up. So um, when you're a coach, you just got to have some patience with some guys. Um, But there's a point there where you got to be ruthless too. Mm. And you just got to make a call for the team.
0: In that first year that he gave you, like, how long into it did you, like, did it take for you to be like, oh, I like this? Or like, was there a period there at the start where you're like, oh, fuck.
2: I'm not not one period where I thought, nah, I'm um, the same for me. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. It was like it was like you were saying. It's like once you got in, you just get in deeper and deeper and become pretty obsessive about it. Um, so the first team I took was that Colts side, and I took them and I was running them up hills in the <laughs> off season, and <laughs> we were wrestling, and it was just full blown. And so, not seeing any results, it's preseason, but I'm just wondering how's this going to translate into the rounds. So. Yeah um but you never know you never know if you're if there's more you can do so sometimes because you there's a point where you can't go past yes you can train guys hard but there's a point there where it gets crazy yeah mm. so you just got to go up and touch it and then back off it
1: <laughs> yeah, otherwise it gets detrimental
2: yeah it does
0: well yeah and I mean I imagine you have you had those experiences as a player where you like a coach is flogged out isn't Maj a notorious Madge, psychopath? yeah like, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, he, he, he was. There's some, I think there's a park just around the corner here, Sydney Park. Yeah, yeah. So there was a yeah. lot of um, tough days there. That was sort of the first two weeks back from pre season. You'd run, um, I think you'd run like a 3.5k time trial and then you'd have five minute rest and do it again. You've got to be joking. Yeah, you'd do it again. And I'll never forget um, Isaac Luke uh, went on a. Tri-Nations tour one time And he'd come back And that was his first session And I remember doing The 3.5k loop And not really seeing him He was at the back somewhere He'd put on weight And five minute rest And and doing the second one Running him, just seeing him Laying in the garden (laughs) 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 He he had fainted in the garden And there was trainers Putting uh, uh, water on him But it was Yeah I'd done pre-seasons At West Tigers I'd done um, Four years at the Broncos and I'd never seen anything like what we did at March. South Sydney. Like that some of the stuff. And you can ask all the players that were there who have been at other places. It was crazy.
0: And so how, how like, how crazy? Is it, is it too much? Do you think it was too much in terms of well, what
2: you're doing now? Tessie Pop, sorry. <laughs> too um, much. Yeah, it was probably, uh, i had enough. two years was enough for me (laughs) like (laughs) and i ran off to rugby (laughs) and sam ran off too so yeah yeah, maybe it was a bit much but we got success so i'll always always be thankful for him for pushing me to a place i didn't know i could go yeah Mm. yeah and now when you look back and your career's over and you've got a premiership and i've got friends that don't Mm. um it was all worth it at the time i thought he was crazy Mm. i thought he was nuts i just you know, the army camps, the, the long runs, the wrestling sessions, yeah. you know, three sessions a day, getting in there at 7 a.m., leaving at 5.30 p.m. It was just...
0: What's the realize. dynamic like with player and coach in a situation like that where you're like, this motherfucker is trying to kill me? Yeah. But like, are you, like are, you, are you still friends with him or is it a bit more like authoritarian? Nah, nah
2: he was very much authoritarian. He was scary. Um, He was intense, and he could just fly off the handle like any (laughs) any time. Um, So everyone was shit scared of him, to be honest. Really? Uh, I think the only time I got angry at him in my second year, two thousand fourteen, we went on a two thousand thirteen. We went on the most ludicrous army camp i've ever been on in my life <laughs> it was run by the sas guys True. so it was like that show but yeah, it yeah. was there yeah, full on and then the second year we went again and it was bad again and i remember sort of packing up my kit and like fronting him and telling him that I'm fucking leaving. Like I'm, I've had enough of this. Like if this is what footy's about, I'm out. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't need it, Baba. And he sort of talked me off the cliff a little bit. But um, that was one time where I got to the point where I said, mate, you've gone so like, no one's nuts,
1: yeah. No wonder Sammy Burgess won the show because he'd done it before. Well, yeah, you yeah exactly. know, he's yeah,
0: yeah. like, Mate, This is yeah, a piece exactly. of piss, <laughs> easy to the magic
2: except when he was stuck in that tunnel and he was getting <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I would have been dead. Is that the like, one you had to go underwater? Yeah, he went under, he, he was in the tunnel and he couldn't get out because of his shoulder, and he, he was in there for like an hour. Like, I'd be dead <laughs> Bruh, from I'd hate that. being I claustrophobic. Yeah, 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 I'd, I'd die, I would die. would have a heart attack. I'd say,
1: Are you are all the boys talking like a sort of almost bitching in the background, being like, This is fucked, or or, it, or are you trying to be as professional as you can and just
2: – Well, there's some guys that are trying to, like, yeah, impress the coaches with their leadership skills and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'm probably pretty good – like, if you're going on army camp for three days, I'm pretty good for, like, a, a day and maybe <laughs> a night. And then I've become very negative, yeah. you know, yeah. especially when um, – yeah, you're being woken up at like you, you go to bed at one AM and you get woken up at three AM by oh. screaming soldiers telling you, get the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing, you right. know, <laughs> get your kid on and uh I never forget this one where Yeah, I don't know, it's 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 a hard one to describe to get in People's Head, but we we were in this big like factory, maybe where uh shed, like where they have um planes and stuff. It was huge. And we sat in there and we sat in this room and we weren't, it was dark and we weren't really allowed to talk to anyone. So you had to sit there in silence. And we're just sitting there and the guy comes out with two wheelbarrows of rice and he goes, he pours it out one wheelbarrow of white rice and one wheelbarrow of brown rice. And he mixes it all up with his foot. And he goes, separate it and walks (laughs) off. So, you got a whole top 30 squad like down on like (laughs) on their stomach, and we're just like, I'm separating like brown rice and white rice, and and, like, yeah, for hours, right? And then, and then, and then, and then, then boom, over the loudspeaker comes that song, um, Highway to the Danger Zone. And I was like, that's all right. Like, you know yes. I mean? Like we're, we're working hard here, separating. They give us a bit of music, fair enough. <laughs> so weird. so start separating. Anyway, the song goes on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Oh. And it just keeps going for like four hours.
0: Oh my God, dude. <laughs> So
2: we're separating this rice, oh Danger Zone's going loud over the speaker. Oh no one's allowed to speak to each other. And I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? And we're looking around, I'm thinking, when's this gonna end? <laughs> and um one of the boys was like we all had gum so one of the guy's is chewing his gum and anyway this doors bust open and like four or five of these army guys come running in and grab one of the guys and he's like looking and he's just grabbing by the scruff and pick him up and take him <laughs> so like we're all like looking around you're like not allowed to talk so we're like going so he goes and he's gone for about 40 minutes Next minute, he comes in like they're dragging him in and he's covered in sweat and he can hardly walk. And I'm like looking. So everyone like swallows their gum all at the same time and look. And then they grab another guy and take him. And they were just taking guys four at a time and bringing them back like the guys could hardly walk. And they were just so fatigued. And I'm thinking, what are they doing to them out there? Next thing, they, they grab me. So they took me and they throw you in this room and you're in this dark room and there's four doors. What the fuck? Yeah, 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 there's four doors. And then you can hear people like smashing on the doors and kicking the doors. So you're just standing in there like waiting for them to come in. And they're just trying to scare you. They're getting you really um, anxious. And then they end up grabbing you and they take you down and, and they got you in a lane. There's all these lanes and they got you in a lane and there's a rowing machine there. They say, get on the rowing machine, and they just say, row. And you just row, and they go harder, faster, harder, faster, and they keep going. Row, row, row. Then they get you on the chin-ups, doing chin-ups, push-ups, and they just smashing you tool like, you can hardly, like, move your arms. And then they throw you on the mat, and they make you fight (laughs) a fresh army guy. So... (laughs) So your Is arms are that right? arms are gone. Can't do anything. This guy like throws you on the mat and he's like choking you out and like got you in the headlock and you just you got no energy to do anything. Yeah. And so yeah, that was pretty much it. I got choked out like three times. And then I got and then and then I got grabbed and taken back into the. The main shed, and I come walking and like that, and drop down, and then they take other people. And so, you go
1: back to separating rice, and you go and
2: you lit- you go back to separating rice. rice, yeah. And that was the night that kind of went from like nine pm, food of maybe one am, something like that, and then they took us. Uh, back to our beds and they let us sleep for about 45 minutes and then kicked open the door and said get up we're walking so oh my god like th- th- that's some of the stuff that's we, the we gnarliest
0: done. fucking thing I've ever yeah. heard like and yeah. we've heard a couple of those nah, no but stories.
2: that was that's, that was great that's yeah.
1: kind of like so fucked but yeah
2: but uh, I, I never forget the, the anger of being, like, choked out by this <laughs> military <laughs> guy. I'm sure they felt sorry for us too, but you just couldn't do anything. Yeah. You were just so fatigued. You hadn't slept well. You hadn't eaten. And
0: Are you rattled after that a little bit? Like, when you're back in there separating rides, you're like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just go through?
2: Well, you're just wondering... I think you're wondering what's next Mm because if we're at this point and you just got to imagine that song's still going. So it's loud, like you can't really think, we're not allowed to talk to each other. Um, You're thinking, what are the next few days?
0: Where's Madge in all this? What's he doing?
2: (sighs) He was. Um, I actually caught his eye because when I'm literally getting choked and I'm getting choked, I kind of looked up and there was almost like a little deck up the like top. Like a viewing and, deck. Yeah, and he was a viewing deck. <laughs> oh my god! Max. He, and, he, and he was. Uh, he was sitting on the viewing deck, just watching guys get yeah. watching and, and drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and he's trying to. Yeah, he's trying to learn something about you. So, mm, yeah, sure. are, are you gonna are you gonna fight? You know, are you gonna let this guy just bash you down there? What are you gonna do? So. Um, Hectic. Are they still? Are they common now? The army camps in footy clubs, or are they
1: sort of? I, I think people are veering away from them.
2: Mm. I think there was a time and a place for them, but I mean, every team's done them, and only one team wins the comp every year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's a good point. Usually, the teams that you know have great academy systems, <laughs> who have the best players, you know, who train well on a weekly basis. I think that's a little bit more important than you yeah, know, a three-day SAS camp at yeah. the start of the year. So maybe people are starting to realise oh, yeah, there's you, good parts about them but yeah. there's there's some annoying parts. Is there
0: anything like when you think about how extreme Madge is where <laughs> a coach like him is only really like going to be able to – be successful or like people are having only got to deal with that motherfucker for like a couple of seasons <laughs> and it's like come in
2: ruin everyone's lives hopefully when it comes yeah well you, you got to be able to go with him right you yeah. got to be able to stay with that intensity and um you know he's he had his success at south obviously didn't work out um at tigers but remember he had a lot of success when he was at melbourne as an assistant mm-hmm. He cleaned up over in the Super League with the Wigan Warriors when he was over there. Yeah. Yeah, did well South. So it, his theory would be it's a proven formula, yep. mm. you know. Um, yeah, it might wear people out and, yeah, it might give me an expiry date as a coach, but I'd rather that. For sure. And and get something out of it rather than just, like, ticking along, being everyone's friend and never get anywhere. Mm. Um, I would struggle. I got asked this preseason whether I wanted to take my team on an Army game <laughs> and – it would be pretty hypocritical of me <laughs> to, to put my team <laughs> yeah. through those things when I struggled so bad with them myself. So yeah.
0: yeah. Dude, that's yeah. That's as wild as it gets. Yeah.
2: That that's only a couple of hours of it though. So it's it's Well, just, yeah, I'm sure. Was there
0: anyone yeah. who was like you know, is someone like Sam Burgess in that? Like, is anyone sort of really rise in that or is it is it so hectic that there's no one can really show two like you can only show yeah. so much of yourself in something no there's
2: train. always there's always like two or three guys in your team that are just absolute animals at it mm. um mm. they're not always the best footy players yeah okay um but th- they would probably make good soldiers yeah like they can just go and go uh sleep deprived like someone like michael crocker oh yeah like he eat that stuff up like really? yeah he he was an absolute machine and he could just go but um. Yeah, and you find out, and and the sad part about it is, like, there's guys that break, and they're usually the guys that would probably break on a footy field for you, right? You know, guys so that that does still reveal it. Itself. It, it, sh- it does reveal itself. There's guys in there that really, really struggle. Mm. So, I mean, you can use it as an exercise to figure out a lot about guys. But um, yeah, I, I would I'd hope I never go on another one.
1: Would there be a correlation that you would ever pick up on where? Guys that would break easy might not find themselves in the starting side or used as frequently by the coach. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think if a coach saw some worrying signs on that, that someone wasn't buying in or someone wasn't giving it their all, um, oh, yeah, absolutely it would affect. Yeah. That'd Actually, be tough, wouldn't it? Yeah. After
0: a fucking after a but, three day army <laughs> camp and you're the, the bitch that but, broke and you're like, Wow, <laughs> this is I went through all that and now yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. play. But yeah. like Sam
2: Sam didn't come on uh, Sam didn't come on one of them. I think him he was away on tour and Isaac Luke was away on tour. So they had these um sandbags in the shape of of humans and and they had ones that weighed as much as sam and isaac and whoever wasn't there and we carried them on stretchers for four days (laughs) (laughs) and it was like that's sam like they put a face thing on that's that's isaac and you literally carried them so he wasn't there but we carried him the whole camp
0: Jesus, so, good lord!
2: Yeah, he, he should have just come. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I mean, he was in Bali or something like yeah, that, far
0: out. So, how's it? How's it been going this year in the the Q Cup? How's that been? That step up?
2: Oh yeah, it's been just uh, different coaching men. Yeah, um, and coaching men that have families, uh, men that have full time jobs. So, mm. you can only train them three nights a week. So, trying to cram a lot of stuff into that and then the fact that NRL send back full-time players for a captain's run Mm. so you're almost trying to always just gel them together as best you can um for the season and then throughout the season you lose players so your results are up and down yeah so sometimes it's a hard um to get an idea of where your coaching's at but all you can do is deal with what you got and what they send back and but take the lessons about you know pre-game mm. um half time a massive one for coaches is interchange yeah like that that's yeah. that's tricky mm. like that's really tricky part and like that's an art in itself
0: and is that like a there's not like one right or wrong way
2: not one what like for instance like if you've got a guy who you know is going to give you aggressive impact at the start of the game you might start them but you know he hasn't got an engine right so you need to make sure on the bench that you've got someone that can fill out those minutes that he can't do. And then you're trying to think, all right, I want to get my player back on. I could move him here. It's like, you know, moving chess pieces yeah. and then, um, yeah, you know, all of a sudden, bang, center goes down. But you decided to go with four forwards on the bench. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> you're gone. Like, <laughs> you know, you're literally watching it having thinking, mm. I can't believe this has happened. I go four forwards on the bench and I just got a winger or something that went down. So yeah. you just got to manufacture things and see how you can change it on the run. That's the exciting part. It, yeah. Well,
1: yeah. you can see how difficult it is because, like, even Freddie Fitler, coach in New South Wales, has seemed to struggle at certain points with you and change. Like, it's not, mm. doesn't seem to be any secret source necessarily. Nah, I was, feel. Exactly. Are you expected to start? players that come back from the nrl size like is that an expectation
2: yeah it is yeah does that
1: make it difficult for players that might have been killing it all season that are doing really well for the side and like a really big part of it then they go nah you're out sorry man
2: absolutely Mm. and and that's the part of coaching that that wayne wants me to learn is about yeah you got to drop this guy but do it in a nice way let them know the system so right from the get-go i'm very honest with the system I'm like, guys, this is how it is. When they come back, they play. If they're not playing well, maybe after three weeks, I'll have a chat to the boss, mm-hmm. and then I can make some changes. But it is what it is. Yep. So, you know, the, yeah, yeah, you got a guy who's a plumber who, who who dreams of being an NRL player. He would give his, you know, left nut to be <laughs> a full time training guy. And then you got a guy who is full time. Who's playing like a busted? Mm. It's quite hard, yeah. Mm. You know there, and then, as I said, uh, it's got to take a couple of weeks before I can probably make the change.
0: Do you find the players you're coaching at that level who are so close but so far? Like, there's it's more emotional than maybe like all the players that have made it, or is there?
2: Absolutely, anything? yeah. It's and, it's all up here, yeah. You, know, you got guys that are, um, there's guys that are like physical specimens that are playing rugby league but their mind just won't let them go to the next place right yeah and and usually the best way to describe it is like they just can't get angry enough right in a simple term they're just not aggressive yeah and for instance i coached that from as a player that was what i loved to do i love to be aggressive that was more than anything so i can't understand it sometimes but Mm. it's like a mental block some mm-hmm. of them are just like too nice mm. um and that's what holds them back and then you've got these guys who have all the aggression all it all the mental but their body's crap
1: just can't, they, just they, well, luck, they the lucked
2: time. out in the genetic lottery right you know what i mean they got no power right, um, okay. no size can't bust through the tackle can't handle the physical contact and it's a shame right yep. yeah because I always say like if i could put your brain and his body yeah you'd probably be in jail but (laughs) (laughs) is it um is the Q Cup
1: made up of players that just want to play the NRL or is there also a mixture of players that are like I'm happy that I've reached this level I just love my rugby league and it's like a good competitive comp
2: I would say 90% probably still think that they're a chance yeah okay and and it's that's awesome thing to be around guys Mm. that like love the game and watch their nutrition and go to bed early and work and train because they still think there's that opportunity that they might get a go. There's probably like 10% of guys, especially playing in those rural towns like let's say Mackay and Cairns and stuff, when they're up there they probably understand it's never going to happen but they just love playing um, top-level footy. Mm. But most, yeah, the dream's still alive in, in a lot of young players which is... Um, what it's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you see these guys that take a little bit of time to come through. Um, yeah, you know, Kobe Hetherington, who's playing really well for the Broncos, he's taken a little bit of time to come through. But when they do, mm. it's just awesome to see.
1: Do they? Is that just like Christmas? Oh yeah. Even for you to see how pumped they would get, these guys are like a little bit older than you know is what's considered normal, I suppose finally getting a crack after all that time
2: yeah absolutely and and they they finally get that that chance like you know their their parents have been along for the ride you know they've seen the ups and downs and a lot of players have been let go from uh, a couple environments and then they kick on Uh, you know someone like Mark Nichols you know he's a he's a late bloomer I think everyone loves him for that that's why they call him the goat He's not really the goat but (laughs) yeah they call him the goat but uh, just to see guys like that go on and maybe make a little bit of money on the back end. But most of those guys don't really make money. Like, mm. they don't... If you're a late bloomer, you might end up getting, you know, 50 NRL games. Um, and it's all nice. And you get yeah. a couple of jerseys you can hang in the living room. But there's no money to be made, really.
0: Unless you're Cody Walker.
2: Unless you're Cody Walker and
0: still, sort of- still
2: unbelievable how that happened yeah mm. I've never really and you, you you go around in junior ranks and stuff and you'd be like yeah that, that player he's a good young half but he's just not there yet and they say yeah well he could get Better a bit later on, like, look at Cody Walker. And I feel like saying, man, I've only seen one Cody Walker in, like, 30 years do that. So, yeah. Who just hung around in Queensland Cup till 26 and then comes on and is, like, the best ball player in the game, plays Origin, yeah. all these things. It, He's that, an anomaly. He's yeah, that, that doesn't happen team. often. Yeah, yeah.
1: What's yeah. happened once? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: Most kids, are. they know. Everyone knows if you're in the game, you know all the kids coming through and you know which ones are going to be the superstars or have the potential to. Yeah. They don't, not many slip through the cracks.
1: What's, what's that next crop looking like in terms of, are they just bigger, stronger, more athletic? Are things just yeah. ramping up? Like, if you look at the, yeah. the type of athlete in the game now versus 10 years ago even. Yeah. It's just getting more and more hectic. Is that still happening?
2: Absolutely. Well, look, when I w- went, come back from rugby and I went to the Broncos and I walked in the gym, I'd never seen young athletes like that in my life. mm David Fafita, Katoni Staggs, yeah. um, Flegler, uh, Payne Hass, Paddy Carrigan. And I'm just looking at these guys and they're just big, like big in the gym. And, you know, we run the Bronco tests. The Bronco tests come in when I was first playing. And if you could get under five minutes, you were ridiculously fit. It was mm-hmm. like a pass mark. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those guys are running like four, th- 440s, like forties. Four 435, I think pain ran in the 430s, something ridiculous. So <laughs> oh you're like, God. that's not normal. Mm. But then you understand what's happening is these kids are training from the age of 12 now. Yeah. So they get identified at 12, but you can't sign them till they turn 15. But they can still join your academy. So from 12 to 15, they start lifting, they start doing speed work, agility work, and bronco tests, yeah. they start building their base at 15. Boom! Now all the contracts coming. Yeah. You're a 15 year old in the mail. Comes four contracts from Titans, Broncos, Cowboys. You make your choice, and then you're in another academy from 15 through to 18. By the time you're 18, six years of S&C, you're a monster. Mm. Like I didn't touch the weight. I didn't touch the weight till I was 18, mm. 19, yeah, maybe. Right. My first preseason was when I was 20. Wow. Really? Yeah, that was my first NRL preseason. Now you got kids that are coming in and doing pre-seasons at like 17. Heck, wow. It's part of their contract. So
0: when were you because you, and anytime we get a stat wrong, we, it's Wikipedia. We had Lottie <laughs> Takiri on uh
2: Lottie. Lottie. Yeah, we had Lottie <laughs> on
0: last week. And I started off by going, so you moved to Australia at 15. What was you know from Fiji's like I came here when I was four. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> or two or something. He yeah. like, nah, so, oh, right. sorry, laddie, he's like, no, that's not right. He's the best Lottie. He's a legend. Oh, oh yeah, yeah mate, he's, he's a, a good legend. Man.
2: He's a smart man because when he came to South, he heard about Madge. So he didn't sign his contract till <laughs> February when <laughs> he, the preseason was over. He's like, oh, buddy, <laughs> I'm not doing that. He's <laughs> like, oh, Madge, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. He was <laughs> coming. Then, yeah, is in. This is when he had Dreads. So is in the shed. So. Hey boys, ready for round one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's good. Um,
0: but so what I was going to say there was again according to Wikipedia. But you were in like the junior Kiwis when you were so it was like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Then the whatever the twenties version yeah. is. So I assume though, at some to some degree, you're getting identified quite young though, right? That yeah. you're a talent. What was that process like for you? Like I guess emerging as a footballer to becoming someone who's actually getting picked in these sides.
2: Yeah, I was probably because I, I grew up playing. Um, I used to play rugby and rugby league, so I just played both. I was always into it. And then I gave the game away probably around the age of 13. Well, it's an early age to retire. Yeah, just just retired and <laughs> sort of having some growing pains in my knees. And I thought I was going to be a skateboarder, but anyway, we'll just leave. I always oh, keep
1: yeah. flipped a few boards at <laughs> yeah. that time. No, yeah. uh, uh, all my made mates, it a couple too. All my <laughs> mates were
2: into skateboarding and stuff, so that's what I thought I was going to do. And um, ended up getting back in, into rugby league and um, sort of just as most kids start on the wing and work their way towards the pack. But, yeah, once I, once I got into it, I, I started making some rep sides. I made the New Zealand under-16s and then the 18s, the junior Kiwis. But I was picked up by the Warriors first, so I was put in their academy. Mm-hmm. And they, they – I think they grabbed like 40 kids and they signed up all the best talent in New Zealand, put them in an academy. And it was maybe like four or five months down the track they realised that that was pretty expensive. Mm. So we might just flick them all. (laughs) So they flicked pretty much all of them, except for maybe six guys. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I got the tap on the shoulder like, yeah, you're out. Like, you know what I mean? So that was my introduction to professional sports. Did
0: that light a fire under you? Or you like, Absolutely,
2: yeah. So my contract was like Warriors signed me after the under 16s New Zealand side I think they signed me on a $3,000 contract and once they decided to get rid of everyone they not only tapped me on the shoulder to say mate you got to shoot I was halfway through rehab for a surgery so I was pretty vulnerable in terms yeah. of getting my body back mm. but they also said yeah look and we can't pay you we don't oh. actually have the money to pay you and I three was like grand? yeah and so I lived quite far away I was lived an hour 20 away so I was driving back and forth and my mum was giving me gas money we didn't have a lot of money so in my mind I was thinking you know don't worry I'll tick up the spill and then I get that 3 grand I can pay mum yeah and when they cut me they said I couldn't pay but we can pay you in Um, Puma, they were sponsored by Puma um, vouchers (laughs) and I was like are you serious? and then they told me that's all they could do so they gave me like two and a half grand worth of um, Puma vouchers Mm. so I went into the Puma store and bought a whole lot of like hoodies and that and then tried to sell them To get the gas money Oh yeah. my
0: god And in the what end What an insane amount of pressure For a young yeah, kid To have to be under like Yeah
2: Mid, mid rehab too So wow. In the end I, I sold like one jumper So, <laughs> I, had, so I was in debt and I had a whole lot Of fucking Puma gear Which I didn't want to wear And um, Yeah I was injured And, and out of contract so that's how I ended up leaving New Zealand and going to Keber Park High School.
0: Which is like, that's like the the mecca of like rugby league yeah. schools, right? so I was
2: going there and Benji had just left and it was an opportunity to get me fit. And I pretty much turned up there as just overweight and I was I was struggling. And the school helped get me in shape and that's how I ended up at the West Tigers. But I think that lit the fire in me. Mm-hmm. And once I left New Zealand, I was like, I'm never, ever, ever coming back. I'll never, Ever, ever play for New Zealand? I was like dirty, I was so dirty, and it just like drove me my whole career. I think like fast forward when I'm playing first grade and I got a a, invitation to do the uh, Kiwis train on squad, and Mm. I was like, no, not doing it. I was like, I'm not playing. If I can't play for Australia or Origin, I'm not playing for anyone. Yeah, so I was just like dirty on that situation. It's funny when you think back, it's like oh maybe i took that a bit far yeah. um by doing that but you can't help how you feel at the time Absolutely. and how you were treated and at that time like $3000 was a lot of money mm-hmm. to us you know and to be sort of treated. And you're banking
0: on it right like you I were, was banking on it yeah you just pull it as yeah. well it's so fucking
2: I know so uh, and like they're better now the warriors their systems better and and that but like that was my introduction to professional sports and how like Ruthless it mm. is And how cutthroat it is you Did know? they
0: ever come back And try to sign you At any point during your career Like show any interest uh, The
2: only No never They knew Because I'd done an article And that where I said that So they okay, knew they Like did. I would never go <laughs> there <laughs> So at the end of my career There was maybe An option But I said No nah, no way But um, Yeah I just think y- You learn all these lessons Yeah you know? um, And then going down To West Tigers you Go down there On a very very small contract And had to work In an Irish bar To mm to try and get, yeah. get my way through, you know? So you things you do, the kids these days probably don't have to do that, Yeah. which is maybe better for them. What yeah. happened to the jumpers? Oh, they're probably still in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's probably wearing one right now.
0: <laughs> Mate, now you got the profile, you can probably yeah. sell them. You yeah, yeah I might things. be you'd able to sell
2: them now. You
1: probably, <laughs> yeah. Mate, the audience are listening to so this, you might get a couple offers. Yeah. <laughs> well, better late than never, yeah. yeah we can put as they say. Well, no, I need that
2: fuel money. <laughs> how, how,
1: how so? How old were you when you came across from New Zealand? I was seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. yeah.
2: So and how se- do you
0: get to to the school? Like, how does that all get lined up?
2: So I had a manager at the time, and and he knew them, and they were looking for some um some forwards. So uh, he he sorted out a deal where I came over. First thing I did, I flew from Auckland to Sydney for a two day West Tigers camp, and as I said, like I was overweight, I hadn't played footy. Mm. And there were some scouts down there, and I think they rang the school and said, I'd send this kid home. Like, he's huge. Like, he's overweight. They said, oh, we'll wait till he gets here and look at him. So I did the camp, and then I went up, and then, yeah, I lived in the same house uh, that Benji lived in. Little house there run by some house parents, and just chipped away at it and started playing some good footy until I could get signed.
0: Is is this, like... It's sort of, it seems like a lot, right? In terms of you're obviously really chasing your career, but was this sort of like from a family perspective, like you had to make it? Was it, do you feel that sort of pressure or was it just that this is what you wanted to do and it's like, fuck it, I'm just going to have a crack?
2: Yeah, my, my thing was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to go have a crack. I'll go over. Um, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, I'll be back in six months. Like, who cares? Yeah, you know? yeah. so, so I just left at the time. Like, I lived in New Zealand. I was 17. I had a girlfriend and all that stuff. But I was just like, no, nah, I'm going. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my dad's um, Samoan and my mum's English. Mm. So yeah, I grew up in like quite a European household with some Samoan aspects to it. But I never had that pressure. I was yeah, never okay. like, you're going to go and make it. it. It was really up to me. Um, Mm. To do it But I do know Like there's a lot Of Polynesian kids Out there That just Just have the weight Of the world on them Mm. um, From a very young age I'm I'm talking like 12 13 14 I I just You see it right You see where The family's just Banking on this Kid to make it And It ain't the It ain't NBA Like it's not NFL where these guys Get the money's good, but it's not crazy good. Yeah, your, so, your
0: contract isn't gonna. Set yeah, you can't set the family, up, set the
2: family uh, up with yeah. it. No. So a lot of the guys now, no one gets set up. They all just sort of eat into it, and then by the time he's thirty-five, and he's out the back door. He's got nothing. So yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a tough one. That and that's there's a cultural aspect to that. Yeah, but um, interesting.
0: No, well that's
1: interesting. That's how <coughs> how was uh, how was West Tigers?
2: Yeah, it was, do you remember your debut? i do remember my debut it was good because <laughs> funny story i left Keebra park high school so i was finishing up and everyone was going to schoolies and i wanted to go to schoolies but apparently apparently tim machine's quote on it was do you want to go to schoolies or do you want to play first grade now i was like "Oh, i want to play first grade so i better go to the airport and just get on a plane and get to sydney so i fly this is my introduction to the west tigers i fly to sydney and I land and I go and I go get my bags and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. and I'm like looking around one hour, two hours, three hours. I'm like looking around, I'm like panicking. And this is before like mobile phones. I didn't just have credit to like yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, I I had one of these things you used to get from a news agency. It was like a calling card. And so I took the calling card and went to a pay phone oh, yeah. and I rang back to New Zealand to my parents' house to tell them to ring the manager, to tell them to ring Kibra, to ring the West Tigers to tell them that they forgot me at the airport. So I was like <laughs> oh sitting God. there with my bags, waiting to be picked up by the West Tigers, and they never came. Eventually, a couple like five hours later, the guy Fuck. comes and gets me and drops me off at this house in Billwood. So that was my introduction to them. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it was a great start. Eight hours late. Yeah. But when I got there, see I get there End of 05, so that's pre season for 2006. Mm -hmm. Oh, they they just won the the comp. comp. Yeah, Yeah, so, you know, when I signed with them, this is early on in 2005, they were, yeah, all right, team. Mm. And then they just went on that run. And then I get down there and they've just won the comp. and that they've just turned into superstars. Yes. Like absolute superstars. So, yeah, for me, just going down there, you know, Scotty Prince is there. He was injured most of 2006. Uh, Brett Hodgson, Benji's driving around in this little sports car. He's just living the dream. Man. So, thing of the world. Yeah. And um, so for me, it was, it was a great environment to come in and see, like, sort of what success looked like. Yeah. But you have to say, from that point on, it didn't. It didn't go great, did it? That, that was kind of. I saw like. <laughs> you saw I'm, the, peak I'm seeing the peak. Yeah. And then, watching the decline because older players were leaving, they were bringing in new recruits that maybe didn't work out mm. um, for them. So. Were you did four years. Three years. Three years. So I played. I played the first year I was playing Jersey Flag, and they called it Premier League for Balmain Tigers. So I loved playing for Balmain at Leichhardt and they had the Balmain Lees club was still going yeah, then, and yeah, it was yeah. it was rocking. And then uh, played two years for West Tigers, and then and then there was that opportunity to go back to Queensland. Yeah, I had a lot of friends up there through school, and they came down and met me, and they were like, you know, you if you come up, you know, you're gonna play on the right edge. It'll be you, Darren Lockyer. Justin Hodges and Israel Flowers signing. Fuck. And I was like, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah, I, think I nice. should take that. I can get used yeah, to that. Yeah, Sam Thiday, Corey Parker, yeah, all these guys are there. Weapon I, team. Yeah, I just thought to myself, it was a great opportunity, and I needed to go sort of be around that. So. And
0: yeah. it was, so what? So what years is that? Is that like oh eight?
2: Yeah, that's two thousand two thousand nine and ten. I signed with the Broncos. Yeah, and they didn't leave me at the airport, so it was well, yeah, it's a good start. better <laughs> start. It's a yeah. start. Yeah.
0: Um, and then so after a couple of years of the Broncos, I I don't remember how they went in those years. I know Manly. Oh well, no, yeah, 2009. No, no. 2008.
2: Nine, nine, we, nine, finals? we end up, a look, of yeah, nine, we go prelim, in in Melbourne versus that that Melbourne team that got stripped. Oh yeah, and they they hump, they, nice. they smoke us. Yeah, they smoke us down there, uh, Melbourne, 2010. Yeah, not great. 2011, our best year that I was there. Um, That's the one where, yeah, that's the one where I think every player's got that year where they think this is our year yeah, and it ends up not being. But Mm. 2011 with Darren Lockyer announces his retirement. Um and that's going to be his last year. So everything's like geared towards like for Lockie, like we're doing this for Lockie, yeah, and yeah, yeah. we had a real good thing going, and we beat the Dragons up at Suncorp. That
0: is drop like he does the drop yeah B, yeah.
2: But remember, remember the kick goes up, and Jared Beale goes up to take the kick and knees him in the face, yeah, and, and fractures right. his um yes. his face. So then he, we go downfield and he kicks the drop goal. We win it. But yeah, we, we sort of know then that he's gone, and throughout the week he doesn't train, and we're we're hoping that he can play. He actually f- goes down in a helicopter to Sydney because he mm. couldn't fly because of his face. Oh so, shit. Oh really? Yeah. So they organise for a helicopter fly nice and low, flies him from Brisbane to Sydney. Wow! So he comes that to would the be hotel. Long. Yeah, yeah. That'd be on a fucking trip. <laughs> That's a long time.
1: You'd have to you'd have to stop, mate. Yeah. I'd, I'd, that'd be I'd be stressing.
2: Yeah, and then. Uh, but we get we get down to Sydney and he comes to the hotel and I think it's the night before he sort of stands up and announces to the boys that he can't play and
0: that's it. Yeah, mm. and who'd you play?
2: We played Man. I thought so. <laughs> and, uh, yes. exactly know, and and that. That, that that's the hard part about it, right? Is um, with our full team. I'm not saying we beat. Manly. I'm, chance, I'm saying we, we have a red hot go. Yeah. And that's one of those ones where the prelims really the final. Yes. Exactly whoever right. wins that goes through yeah. no disrespect to the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, uh, George Rose on yeah. you <laughs> and we
0: were asking, we were like, When you saw the Warriors beat yeah. the storm and he, he goes, Holy fuck, I'm gonna win a grand final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
2: we we had played Warriors week one of the finals yep. and beat them like forty to ten. Like, mm. Yeah. So if we get through and we get Warriors, I know what's going to happen. But that was a red hot manly side, um, but, and we could have only had a crack at them with Darren Lockyer. Mm. So,
0: so you're a couple of years at the Broncos, then you're down to South. Is there a concern from a player like you're moving around too much, or is it just sort of like, is it a you know just better better opportunity? Yeah, better
2: opportunity. I think I think players just know or understand what's the best for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they always say, there's no interest like self-interest. So, <laughs> where you know, you got to figure out where you can go. And at the time, when my early years at Broncos, I was starting. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Griffin came in to start coaching in 2011. And uh, he loved some of those young players that he brought through the Colts, uh, through the NYC. And fair enough, he's got great relationships. So, you know, fighting for um, the back row spots were Sam Thide, Alex Glenn, myself and Matt Gillette. Yep. And at, the t- at that time, like me and Matt Gillette were coming off the bench getting like 30 minutes a game. right? And I sort of started to get the feeling like, all right, I'm I'm a, becoming an interchange player here. Mm-hmm. And if I ever want to play Origin, I've got to be a starter. Yep. I've got to. I've got to get to a team where I can start. And that's where the conversations came in about leaving. And I remember meeting Michael McGuire at his house in Coogee and he said, if you come here, you play eighty minutes every week, and I'll help you get to Origin. So don't for me, that preseason like, season yeah, 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 don't that's before I that. knew what his training was like. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was there. I was done. I was in. So I think everyone's got to do that eventually,
0: for sure. And I imagine was was part of your like experience as a young kid getting fucked over. Like, did that sort of put in your mind like that you got to be out for yourself a little bit like does that sort of does that rub off on you or like leave an impression in that sense
2: it changed my whole like career and trajectory or maybe where I was going to go when I was young when I first started I probably thought I was going to play for the Warriors Mm -hmm. and I probably would have tried to play like 300 games for them yeah you know that was my thinking Once I got burned, I was burned for life. Mm. And from then on, I just did what was best for me. And I've Mm -hmm. never, ever changed that. And all my mates joke around, guys, I've played with, you know, you're a mercenary, you go around (laughs) that. I am. Because, you know, it just didn't work out for me being loyal or whatever. So I just go where the opportunity is. Mm -hmm. And so me going to South was that. I want an opportunity, I want to start, I'll go. Mm. So I never really worried about it. And then I probably took it overboard by changing codes and changing teams like four times in union but you know whatever once you've worn like three jerseys you might as well wear yeah, eight yeah. or something like that so what's the difference yeah bro? what's the difference yeah. so
1: how was the how was winning the comp unbelievable
2: oh yeah crazy just never probably thought and you guys will understand on 2013 i thought we had our best side yep 2013 i thought that was our year the way we had trained the way we have played and i just looked at our squad and i thought this is this is this is it and then we run into manly in the Ooh, prelim i yeah. so oh, was at that, that guy
0: but this is but Lottie was saying the same
2: thing and about, like, i never i never uh, that's probably been my darkest day in football that's probably i was heartbroken because it was such a weird it was such a weird day so just woke up on the morning and I don't know if what it just didn't feel right but anyway we get to this game and we get out to a good lead we're mm-hmm. winning at halftime. I think oh yeah yeah and still then kind of and player. then it just all goes downhill and the momentum swings and we can't stop and I'd still have nightmares about like Glenn <laughs> Stewart like how a guy can be so skillful and mm. he was an amazing player mm. we end up losing that game I think you find out after the game. I think it was um, Madge's mum passed away the morning of the game. It was something like, you know, there was just something not right about that day. And once that game was over, I mean, everyone was so devastated. It was like, there wasn't like talk of like Mad Monday. Everyone just gapped it. There was no end of season reviews. or It was just gone. Uh, And everyone just took off. Yeah, and we got together and had a drink, but... I mean I was in a haze For like weeks Off that I was just like I was walking around Could you With like no shoes on Growing a <laughs> <Yeah>. beard <laughs> <laughs> I was just like Gone So um, in, in the end I Yeah to snap out of it I end up Booking myself A flight And went over to the States For a little while Do some training But Yeah so by the time 14 comes around I'm thinking Maybe the ain't Gonna happen for me
0: Did you Lottie's Cause Lottie came in 14 Right but he was saying that that game was like used a lot or- re- referenced a lot that game against manly in twenty fourteen
2: yeah, well, we never wanted that I think Madge thought that we we um we let up on our intensity mm. and that we could never ever do that again, mm-hmm. and yeah, I agree with it, he was right, so we did use that game, but you know I'm going into fourteen, and I'm thinking, nah, that ain't gonna happen for me, this you know I don't think. This is going to happen. It's probably time to get out of here. Um, had had a bit, of, had enough of sort of rugby league at that time. Yeah. I remember going into Madge's office and he's like, what do you want to do? Like, we want to offer you a new deal. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to go. He said, where are you going to go? I said, I'm going to go to rugby. He's like, why? And I said, oh, I've just had enough, mate. I just can't do this anymore. I've got to get out of here. My mind was a bit gone mm. on, on just the whole bubble of rugby league and the pressure. Yep. So I was putting so much pressure on myself to win a comp I just felt like it was just going the other way yeah like, i was still devastated about 13 like it still affected me right through 14. so by the time 14 was there i was like All right, i'm gonna sign with rugby union i'll finish off the season with south and then i'm i'm out of here and so i wasn't like thinking we were gonna win it you know yeah. which is one of those things it's like when you want something so bad sometimes it doesn't come whereas if you just chill out for a bit yeah but I almost didn't get to play because I think it was like late rounds. Um, Isaac Luke does like a spare tackle on Sonny Bill and I'm sort of in it. And I end up getting some... Oh, no, I get a chicken wing. Sorry, I get a chicken wing on Sam Thiday and I get a couple of weeks which could rub me out of the finals. Mm. And I, I miss week one of the finals. And so, yeah, the team had to play manly at the football stadium. Um, and, and that's that's... Actually, we talked about it this week because... That game should have been at Brookvale.
1: Yep. Yes. Yes. That yeah. game.
2: That was. You know. Yes. That that was poor. We talked wasn't about it? this week as well. It's weird. We, so yeah. my the theory is we go to Brookvale. I don't. We don't win. No. And we don't win a competition. Yep. So they move it for the crowd to. Football stadium, yeah, and that's our stadium,
1: the, yeah, and then lied about how many people were there, was <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah was a fucking, 40 and there, which is the
2: same thing that's happening this week, talking about crowds and finals, yeah, sure. but yeah, that should have been at Brookvale. We win that, so we, really
0: we won twenty fourteen as well, well, exactly. yeah,
2: and so I missed that game through suspension, and luckily, you know, I was praying on the judiciary that I didn't miss the whole series and that the boys got through, so they get through, and then, Madge gives me a run in the prelim off the bench, and then yeah, it's just two games, bang. Out the door, back in, ready to yeah, rip. Yeah,
0: fucking good stuff, hey. Yeah, that's mad. But yeah, did you did you regret signing with rugby after you'd won it? Were you like fuck it? Like, was there a part? Nah, of that nah. Where I you was say, I done? was
2: out of there. Yeah, yeah I, I needed to get out of there. It was a nice ending. Like you couldn't really script it better yeah. mm. to leave South like that. But I, I, you know, me and Sam both sort of knew that was the end. Mm. Did he leave that? Yeah, we were leaving. We we were we were living together. We were living together as his his apartment in town and we were both going through contract negotiations but we wouldn't discuss it like we didn't know what each other was doing right and i remember talking to my agent because i was saying i want to go to rugby i'll go in europe and then there was this um you know they have like those little things in the paper like um Little rumors yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. player, Spot which whispers, South Sydney whispers. player, yeah, whispers which South Sydney player looking at rugby union. And that and I rung my agent straight away. I was like Mate, who are you told? He's like, I didn't tell anyone. I was like, Mate, like, read this. Like, who else could this be? Like, not knowing that it was Sam, I had no the guy idea. Yeah, sitting living across with, from at breakfast. yeah, I had no idea he was thinking of leaving, but um, yeah, what, once he signed and I signed, we sort of knew like this is the end, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, sort of the back end of the year, we were more probably preparing for Mad Monday than to <laughs> win a competition. To be honest,
1: was it as fulfilling as you'd thought? Like you'd wanted it for so bad for so long.
2: The the, the best, yeah, Hectic. the best. That's like great. it's it's one of those things. It's it's hard to describe. It's like completed. Like, yeah, you know, your footy career is complete, mm-hmm. and and you can always sit there and just be. I think since that that day that happened. Like, I always feel quite confident mm. in my career. Not mm. not in, like, what I... Just as to be a part of something special, mm. to be able to, like, speak about it. You know, mm. if there's other guys that have won championships, I think everyone can speak about how important it is to you. Yeah. And I think I would have been, um, yeah, pretty distraught to never get it. But, like I said, I'd made my peace with it. I thought it was over. Mm. Like, when I when I played that game versus the Roosters we were losing, I thought... Over, I'm never gonna it's so never
0: going to happen. So <laughs>
2: maybe that's the best way to think about yeah. things.
0: So who would you sign with in England or Europe?
2: Uh, I Signed with um, Leinster, and I went to Dublin. So that was the first. Um, I, I ended up getting in contact with Michael Checker, and he was coaching the Waratahs at the time. And I was going to go. Um, I talked to him about like what's the best route for rugby? Where should I go to learn? He said, "Look, I coach at a club called Leinster in Dublin. He said they're a top club." They'll be able to teach you how to play the game, all this stuff. Which I knew how to play the game from a kid, but the ruck had become just crazy, yeah. which it still is. It's like still no one knows what's happening. No one knows what the There's happening. just guys jumping on every on yeah. each other. So don't he bring said, it up to rugby people. Yeah, yeah. You're very offended. <laughs> so he said, "Go over there." So I, I, I end up going to Leinster, played uh, two seasons with them, and then I ended up going over to England to a club called Worcester. It's no longer Do you find like
1: it hard to
0: pronounce all these? Like, because I read Worcester <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. What Leinster, Worcester? Leinster Worcester? Leicester, yeah. Leicester. Like, Worcester
2: up. Warriors, which they've recently gone into liquidation, they're not around anymore. But um yeah, rest in peace. But uh, Eddie Jones had made contact, and he had the the gig at, at England. Mm. So it, that was an opportunity to go and play sort of test rugby.
0: Did you have that in your mind the whole time? Nah, nah. Before you went,
2: no. I, I was. I went, when i went over to leinster i just wanted to go over and just play rugby that, that's all i want to do and get out of australia so one minute i'm playing a grand final eighty five thousand at anz stadium winning the comp have a couple of days on the piss go over to dublin i do like two training sessions of rugby still don't know what i'm doing and then i go with the academy side the leinster a side mm. And we fly over to Wales and we play in this place called Camarthedon. Mm. It's just this, like, um, it's like a, just a little rural ground and it's got like a cycling track around it. And there was like 40 people there to watch us play them. And that was it. Like I'd gone from that to that. I was back on my training wheels learning how to play rugby. With the boys around you like, what are you doing? Mate? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think that some of them knew some some of them knew that I was coming. So throughout the final series they took an interest in South Sydney and they watched the finals. But yeah, once I got there I'm like with these guys that had just come out of school. Yeah. And like as I said I'm playing in this uh pretty average sort of standard
0: what did you feel like in that moment were you like what am I doing or were you kind of yeah absolutely it? I
2: think when I was getting ready and warming up and like the sheds were pretty tiny and stuff I was thinking yeah what have I done like <laughs> yeah. I really asked for this didn't I and then you know that it's just to top it off like I, I'm I'm loitering around a rock, not really knowing what I'm doing <laughs> <and> just, <laughs> yeah. 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 absolutely cleaned out <laughs> like yeah. cleaned out on the ground and I'm having a scuffle with this guy and I've got him in a headlock and I'm just thinking yeah, this what is not yeah, this is not for me, but I just knew I just had to hang in there and and I had enough athleticism that it would get me through. Um, but the skill part and the rules around the ruck mm. were quite ch- challenging actually to get used to. What
1: was the what was the plan though at that at that point? Was there was there a club you had in mind? Did you want to win like a Heineken Cup or a rugby championship? Like was there a was there a plan really or not?
2: I just wanted to pay I just wanted to play rugby and I, I wanted to travel too. Yep. I wanted to go around and see some stuff because, you yeah, know, since I'd come over, I'd just been just so um, zeroed in on being an NRL player and then it was about playing Origin then it was about winning a comp and now I just wanted to go play rugby and travel. Um,
0: did you not like the uh, celebrity aspect of rugby league? Like, did you find that? Was it nice to be away from Yeah, from it was that? nice to
2: just go over there and, and go out with the boys. And I'm not saying, like, I get, um, you know, asked for photos or anything, but it was getting to the point with rugby league where, you know, as a team you'd go and play somewhere and you weren't allowed out of the hotel. No one was allowed in the hotel. And if you did go for drinks, you had to get a roped off area. And they we okay, the club right. had to supply security. And it was always like this, but when you go over – to europe and you're playing rugby you finish the game and the team just walk down and you go in the pub and there's not as many rules i don't think they're so freaked out because they don't have that media pressure Mm. and so that was a good thing to go there but i didn't have plans to play test rugby in actual fact i played my first season and my coach got sacked and then i was thinking all right i might um just go home then and get back into rugby league like maybe this is the end of the road for rugby after eight months so
0: (laughs) so what you were just thinking like you weren't enjoying it obviously if you were considering no
2: I was enjoying it but I was kind of thinking oh should I just go back like it's kind of what I know maybe I um maybe I just needed a break and now I've had a break so I was the Cowboys rung in 2015 about going up there to play and I spoke to Greeny and stuff like that um, they go on to win the comp anyway. But, yeah, that, that was an option, was to come back. But then I, I sort of thought, no, I've, I've come this far, and I'm still learning, I'm just going to hang in there. And then it was that next season was, was my best season. Yeah, and right. that's sort of what got the attention of England, Mm. And they knew that I had the passport. My mum being British, so that's how all that sort of. Had started. you had
0: contact with Eddie before then, or was it after nah. that season? Eddie's like, let's have a fun. yeah.
2: After that season, it was kind of like, let's have a chat because I was playing in um, like the Heineken Cup yeah. and playing against top teams and guys who are internationals, and obviously I was playing quite well. Yeah. So mm. there was no doubt physically I could do it do it so it was more about okay do you want to come over if you want to play for England then you have to sign with an English Club Mm. so that's why I signed with Worcester and went over there yeah was there any interest from the Wallabies or not yeah there was there was yeah I I went and met Checker in when was the World Cup 2015 yeah they were getting ready for the final versus the All Blacks at Twickenham I went and met him in London at the hotel we sat down and had a chat um, and he sort of talked to me about what the options could be. Most likely, I'd have to come back play for the Waratahs, um, but he was very interested. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just like I'd kind of already made the decision that I was going to go to England mm. and I was going to have a crack that way. And I just thought it'd be quite cool too, my mum being English, that you know to go and play for them. Yeah. And, did she like that yeah she loved it yeah it was, it was good because I, I, I went on tour I, like i didn't even know the national anthem and all that so the boys taught me that just before <laughs> one of the games <laughs> <laughs> it was god save the queen back then <coughs> now it's god save the king but yeah just sort of being able to represent where she's from sure um it was important to me and she came over to twickenham a couple of times to watch me play so
1: yeah that's mad yeah
2: real good that's opportunity cool.
1: Did um, you lo- Was what was Twickenham like? Pumped, like packed, yeah. packed. It's, it's yeah.
2: packed, and it's like it looks. It looks. It, it is th- the best setup. up yeah. In both codes, in terms of, so you know the English Rugby Union with RFU, they own Twickenham like outright. Okay. So that's nice. Long, long time ago, like because I went and did, I had to do like a tour there for with a sponsorship group. Mm. So a long, long time ago, they bought it. It was a piece of farmland. They bought it they put a stand there they built they built and they've just sort of built it up over time mm-hmm. and so when they have a game there they take everything they take the gate the hospital really? thing someone told me it's ridiculous like 13 million pound profit per oh. game So and they only play their test matches there yep. so they're just you know cleaning up mm-hmm. and it's eighty thousand sold out every single game but it's not loud it's Re- it's not it's not like it's not Australia loud. It's not like screaming. It's okay. kind of like lots of gentry,
0: respectable. <laughs> it's like exactly. lots oh, of yeah. uh,
2: lots of clapping and, and songs. You know they sing, yep. um, but it's a lot more reserved. It's um,
1: so not like state of origin. No, nah, it,
2: it's not. It's not like state of origin. But it's a good lesson, isn't it, for the game is to. Like, own stadiums, yeah. Like, I know. own your stadium. You imagine if the NRL owned a stadium, well,
0: don't the AFL own Marvel? They do, because
2: they, they like do, and
1: that was like what they were leveraging during COVID, correct. Yeah. And that's when PBL was like, Oh, we actually don't
2: own anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they went and bought Gambaras, yeah, on yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was our th- <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the most rugby league thing of
1: all time, yeah. But, uh, no yeah. stadiums, we're hey, just going a there's give a up.
2: really good seafood shop on Caxton. What do you reckon? Yeah, Abdo, run right yeah. the number. Uh, can yeah. we buy it? Yes, we can. <laughs> Let's get it.
1: Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. If it, is it coincidence that people love seafood? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> is that a coincidence? <laughs> I don't know.
2: That's I don't know. Like, yeah.
0: So it must have been quite, uh, uh, I guess, satisfying to... Get over there, and when you start actually dominating, or like start, you know, holding yeah. your own against these other sides, or these other players, these big name players, who was a, so, who was, because so, you were an inside centre.
2: Yeah, inside. Yeah.
0: Is that is that was Lungi? Was he? The, yeah. Was he the man that was sort of?
2: Yeah, he was the man. He was
0: the man, right? Yeah,
2: he, he's still the man. Oh, he's he's had he's a lot of injuries. Yeah. So yeah, this is a guy who yeah burst on the scene at like eighteen years old and test rugby and was just literally a wrecking ball yeah know, and he's got a great story the fact that you know he was an overstayer like his brothers come over to play um rugby for leicester
0: he's got a other brother monster isn't he yeah
2: all his brothers there's like five of them they're all monsters yeah and they brought him over he was only a young boy from samoa and he the, the parents said, "Yeah, take him, look after him." So he took him over to England, but he didn't have a visa or anything, so he's just going through school, and he's an overstayer, like yeah, illegal. Yeah, yeah. And right. then um, he gets in the Leicester Academy, and they build him up full of weights, and he's strong, and he just dominates rugby. But then he slowly had loads and loads of injuries, and that's sort of where I came in to sort okay, fill a little bit of that right. role. We end up, we end up getting on the field. I think once together, I was at. Um, twelve, and he was at thirteen. Um, but yeah, he's man. He he's probably someone when you talk about like who can go the other way, like rugby to league. Mm. Like he can.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Manu he could definitely just pick up a ball and play in RL Straight tomorrow. Away. He he'd be he'd be like a like a Talakai, Katoni, Stags type one on one. You wouldn't be able to stop him. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: did you win anything with England? Would you like a, like a Six Nations Six or something? Six Nations, yeah.
2: One one of Six Nations. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. No yeah. World
0: Cups though, were they?
2: Nah, no, no World Cups, no. I haven't won since 2003, mate. Well, I, don't mean, yeah.
0: I just mean not even played in one <laughs> yeah. while you were over
1: there. Yeah, You didn't play in 2019?
2: No, I didn't play in 2019. No, no, no. I got um, released from the squad prior oh. to World Cup, so yeah. Did you play any games with Sam Burgess for England? No, so it was... He like, kind of walked straight yeah. in. Yeah. So that was what I was saying. Was like he did. Was he gone when you? Yeah, he was gone. So right. that's kind of how it worked out. Like I said, one minute we're living together at South, and I go to Ireland to sort of do my time, and he goes to England, and he has all the pressure, and he plays in that World Cup in 2015, and then he leaves, and then I join the squad after him. So we never got to um, play together, but yeah, he he wanted to. I don't think culturally like it was the right place for him, mm-hmm. rugby union. Yeah. He's a bit of a straight shooter and um, I think he just wanted to get back to South. And I remember he he rung me one time and he was on FaceTime and he, he had his premiership ring on and he was waving it and he said, I'm going to go get some more of these. But unfortunately he didn't get any, but <laughs> he wanted <laughs> to go give it a crack. You yeah.
0: Know? But you, t- you say straight shooter because that's sort of the thing that's kind of come up in the yeah. media now. Do you think in rugby union what he's like, I've got standards and if you like would he, would he be sort of calling people out in that sense in, in in a rugby setting you don't think that works like what do you no, mean there Rugby's
2: different like that so uh rugby leagues very straight to the point you know there's no talking around and that is just like mate you're an idiot mate you're the kid not yeah. you do like it's kind of like that Rugby's a little bit more like bitchy you mm. know yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's yeah. there's like there's clicks of guys and everyone sort of smile and uh, act like they're all good with each other, but yeah. then they gather in little groups and oh, slag really? people off. Really? And yeah, yeah, and and that, that's just is this English rugby. More that's just rugby? That rugby. That's okay. just rugby. It's 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 in the the DNA of the game. You know, mm. They get in these the small groups like that. Um, so I think he struggled with that um, because. I think that when you're in a good rugby league team, everything's just out in the open. Mm-hmm. It's just all out in the open, and we don't muck around with stuff like that. Mm. So, everyone's got pretty thick skin in rugby league, like you have to. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, I think, parts that I didn't like about rugby.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you ever have any, like, did you ever <clears throat> bring any of that rugby league energy where you're, like, calling someone, like, have to sort of, you know, bring something to the forefront?
2: No, I never probably felt. Um, that it was my place to do that Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I, I sort of just sat back And I, I, I observed And a lot of the things that I observed Has probably helped me now with my coaching I, I understand what's going on mm-hmm. In teams Like I might act like I don't But I know that like Okay these three They're unhappy Once you know These yep. guys are bitching about these guys And, the, and you, you kind of got to let it happen But then try and pull it all back together Yeah So there's some good lessons in it
0: What's Eddie Jones like to see and is he aware of that shit does he have to be dancing with that sort of bullshit
2: Oh mate he's aware of everything Right He he's um he's intense yeah <laughs> he is intense <laughs> I, I went from one intense guy to the yeah, other Yeah, yeah <laughs> but the, the difference with Eddie was like when when you play rugby um union and you're going on these tours and these these things go for like eight weeks nine weeks yeah. and you're just living with people Mm -hmm. and so some of the guys i played with in england i'm so close with some of them because like we literally live together like Mm -hmm. in a room together and so it's being with eddie for three years was just full-on like (laughs) it was intense and i just oh i watched him just destroy people Really, I watched him absolutely destroy, like players, staff. Like it was like this. This is the level. You get to this level, or you get out. Like mm. that. That was him. There was no like in between. I've just seen him um, put the pressure on a lot of people.
0: With the knowledge you have of him then, and the way you described him there, you can only imagine what he would be fucking saying to some of the guys in the Wallabies camp, right? Or do you think that he knows like that you can't always just be like if he, if he doesn't have a team that's good enough necessarily that he can't actually just oh yeah he's smart yeah he's smart
2: enough to know what he's got at the time and he's got some young guys so he'd be building them up but he'd also be on their ass like he's on them Mm. it's it's a regime yeah he's like um he's kim jong-un and they're living in north korea (laughs) you know like he is the law so look and, and i think right now i reckon he'd be a pretty good coach to come through underneath if you were a young player some of those young wallabies he's taken over i think they're gonna have pretty good careers because he'll push them hard Mm.
1: yeah do you um do you smile when you see him telling journos to give themselves uppercuts yeah yeah i
2: I crack up yeah (laughs) because i just sort of i've seen it like you know i've seen it once he's you know left those press conferences and and he walks back into a room um you know for like team dinner or something and it's like nothing happened if for him it's all if for him it's all theater yeah it's all part of the game and sometimes you understand if you're in the meetings so say say you're in a meeting and you're playing the all blacks at twickenham and you're preparing for the game he'll start building the mentality about you know that they don't think we can do anything Oh, they're un- un- unbeatable, are they? Well, what about this and what about that? So he's finding cracks in their game that we can exploit. Mm-hmm. And then you watch him go to the press conference and you listen to what he says. It's not far off what he's just told us. Yeah. So he's painting the picture for the media too. Okay. And he also understands that whatever he just goes and says in the press conferences, we're going to watch on our phones in about 40 minutes. Yep. So he's talking to us too. Mm-hmm. So that's all part of his his psyche. It's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? He you you know what he's doing. Sometimes I can read a bit of it.
1: Yeah. Do you do you think that sort of thing comes naturally? Do you do you as a coach, are you looking for are you getting lessons from how Eddie speaks to the media, how Wayne speaks to the media? Yeah. how these like really like elite media guys go about their work because you know, if you keep going the way you're going and let's say you get a first yeah. grade side, eventually you're going to have to deal with that too. Yeah. Especially in Australia, it's the media is fucking intense. Yeah,
2: look, I watch and observe all that stuff. Um, like, I w- I'll probably watch most coaches press conferences before I actually watch the highlights. On, oh <laughs> like really? yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I'm very interested in that. i like yeah. love to see how they um, answer the questions and what they say and what's the messaging. So I'm like at this level, like low down here, but watching like Wayne and watching Eddie is just like watching masters mm-hmm. that understand, they understand the whole news cycle. They understand how it's going to be uh, interpreted out there. Um, I think Wayne's the best. I think Wayne's the best I've seen because I think when it's bad, what he does is he doesn't say too much Mm -hmm. because I think his theory is that if he's emotional, then it's not the right time to talk. Mm. Yeah. So the less he says in those press conferences, the better, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to say something that you'd regret. Mm -hmm. And he actually does the same in the sheds too. So Mm -hmm. if there's a poor performance, um so I remember when we when the Dolphins had their first trial game at and they got smashed by Titans. Mm. And that was just before week 1 of you know and so everyone's a bit like oh my god like
0: and everyone's death riding the,
2: like everyone yeah. thinks the Dolphins are going to be shit. The as pain they're like well. two bucks like, to win the spoon and you know. Know, like I go in the sheds and I'm thinking like what's this going to be? Like what is he going to say? I'm I'm just intrigued so yeah. I'm sitting there like My God, and I'm silent. And then he just comes in and he says, he sits there and the whole room's silent, waiting for him to move. And he's not moving. And everyone's just like looking around. Then he just gets up and he says, well, boys, um, you've left me. Lost for words. (laughs) That's us. And walks out. (laughs) And everyone's just like, it's like silent. And like no one knows whether to move or not like who's gonna get up <laughs> like, and go for a shower and he's walked out the door and it was like the suspense was just there's no speech you could have given that could have got that reaction yeah. yeah yeah and it was outstanding the next week they beat the roosters yeah seriously wild and he made some changes and he made them swift you know muck around he just went bang 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 you're in you're in you're out you're out done and it was just like wow Just watching sort of that from the inside um and some of his some of his speeches and coaching those first four rounds for the dolphins were something i've never seen really like like unbelievable like the speeches and the it was should have made a movie on it yeah wow
0: yeah does he does he talk to you can you do you talk about those sorts of elements of coaching like the yeah. media management and like because every time we've spoken anyone who's had wayne as a coach like jai arrow told was it or was it liam knight told us a story the other day where it was like
1: it was lame i think
0: they got fucking towed up and then after the game he didn't say anything and then he they're all like the next like monday at training, it's like everyone just gathering this hall and then <laughs> They're all just sitting like, what the fuck are we doing in here? And then Wayne just comes in from like a door up there, and he's got his shirt off, and he's just dancing in there like, fuck yeah. the fucking Lost Boys. Let's <laughs> yeah, do yeah. It. Like, does he does he uh, like a let, let you in on his thoughts behind? You Absolutely, know, yeah, and shit.
2: And that's the thing. I think. um See, he he's coached so many players over all these years, all these eras, right, and they'd know him but they don't know the backstory of why so jaya would be thinking why why has he done that Mm. but one of the best parts about working for him and working under him is sitting in these coaches meetings and listening to him talk about players Mm. and one thing he talks about is like there's a massive like care factor for the person So like i've sat in there with him when someone's had a bad game And, you know, they're going through their clips that they're going to show. Poor defence, poor this, poor that. And say a guy's got like a missed tackle for a try and a missed tackle for a missed tackle for a try. I know most coaches would be like, yeah, show him. Yeah, show him. Yeah. Mm. Almost embarrassed. He's got to see it in front of the boys. And Wayne will sort of think and be like, yeah, take that off. Take that off. Yeah, take that off. I'll speak to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, And it's like he's got that genuine care for like, I don't need to embarrass this guy. Yeah. Like he knows. They yeah. know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, They know. Yeah. So I'm going to pull him aside and I'll have a chat to him about those things. Mm. But I'm not going to belittle him in front of the group. That's one thing I've taken from him is like just learning who needs what. And, or he might be like, no, 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 put those on. No, put that, put that on, put that on. You know, yeah. Jared Wallace, he needs to see that. Right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he can handle it. Yeah. Like Jared Wallace can handle yep. all that. He eats that up. He's got thick skin. So he's like, yeah, show him. Yeah, show, show a couple more of them. <laughs> yeah? I want to get my point across. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, very calculated.
0: And so do you think that's because you're, I think you were in your comments around the Bulldog thing, you were like, it's like it's one thing to punish someone; it's another thing to belittle someone. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of where you think that that may have gone wrong, and that.
2: Yeah, well, I think so. I, I think that's where, you know, not knowing all the details, yeah. but just the details that I heard, I think um, it went the wrong way. You know, it, yeah. And and someone was really um, distressed by it. Obviously, you know, they've taken time off, and I think knowing Wayne, I know he would never do that to someone. Right. I just know. It it wouldn't be something that um, he would see benefit of, and I think there's a real he's very concerned or very um, wary of the players' trust in him, mm. and that's why people say he's like a father figure. Like he's never coached me, like we he's never been my coach, um, but players that are coached, being coached by him, talk about him as like the father figure, mm. and yeah, that's right because he almost looks after you like you are his son. Yeah, yeah so he's um he's a good man with that stuff, you know. So that's one of the best parts about being behind the scenes. You understand like why why he does those yeah, things. Right.
0: Have you got a um have you got a like a timeline mapped out in your mind for like what you want for coaching? Like when you want to start having a crack at sort of the big dog big yeah. dog city?
2: Well, it's like I was saying about footy, like sometimes you chase it too hard and mm-hmm. you end up in a bad situation and yep. it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just love coaching. So I've done 21s. Last year I did uh, schoolboys, so I did a second 15 in rugby, and I did colts. This year I do um, Queensland Cup and I do assist in the NRL. I'm like the third assistant. So I'm getting a taste of everything, and I'm just keen to work my way into assistant coach, still do a bit of media, and then wait for that opportunity because, as you guys know, like once you get in, the pressure is on. Mm -hmm. You're on the clock then and you need results so i don't see what the rush is yeah and i just see like people like um like benji like the way he's doing it like yeah you mean like he finished <laughs> <laughs> playing i think he was doing a bit of academy stuff and then it's like signs a five-year deal two years assistant three years full-time i'm like what yeah you know what i mean yeah like that's Crazy. Great, yeah.
1: Crazy And now it's looking like Potentially one year assistant
2: Well that Yeah It, it, is. Yeah, know, it yeah. is Yeah, It is in,
1: yeah. It is Well then I heard the other day That maybe they'll try to bring someone in again I don't know uh, What's nah. going on so, so one year assistant Unbelievable
2: Yeah Unbelievable And like being a coach now Like I can truly say Like You don't know shit About anything For at least A couple of years Yeah So You're going to be Learning on the job And that's You know Sometimes that works And I hope it works for him But maybe i'm willing to just go the long route yeah and just be really um comfortable in what i know before i get into mm-hmm. that environment no, no, no pressure situation yeah. yeah
0: did you know like in your time at the tigers was there like did you see this level of fucking disorganization
2: yeah i i <laughs> Well, apart from them leaving me at the airport i suppose, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I suppose you could start yeah. off with a bit of uh yeah there wasn't great communication <laughs> back then um yeah it was one thing i did notice is that the two you know the two setups
1: yeah two factions the yeah. two
2: fact you know because as i said i was coming through the balmain one and everyone was very it's a very proud club like balmain tigers like great club to play for but then you just had The west magpies out there and we'd sort of go out there every now and again to do like a captain's run and have a stake at the lee's club but we kind of weren't invested out there Mm. and I just always felt they're just two different people. Yeah. It'd be like grabbing...
1: It's a weird... Yeah. It's a weird one. Yeah, imagine, would you imagine... Like we, Campbelltown, Balmain. Yeah, they're it's just two, two the different. Same, yeah.
2: Imagine grabbing your team, Manly, and let's just merge them with Parramatta tomorrow. Yeah. You yeah. know, it'd just be... And I understand why they had to do it, but it's a, it is a hard one, and it's hard to see it, like, going forward sometimes. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, you look at the table now, and you look at the ladder, and you see... The other merger down there the dragons and you hear the same things about these two boards that they can't agree on anything where do they train they train in cogro train in wongong it's a tough setup for, yeah. for both of them and there's a probably there's a reason why they're down there mm. it's because they just can't make decisions and they can't get it right yeah so i kind of i kind of did notice that you know when i left west tigers and went to brisbane i was like oh this is a lot different Yep. yeah yeah this just runs a it's lot one sm- club yeah a lot smoother mm. um and at the time you yeah, know the tigers were you yeah, know training under the grandstand there at concord oval and wasn't the greatest sort of facilities and they only just recently got out of that so yeah there, there's certain clubs there that you understand why they're at that place
0: yeah at the top and the bottom yeah um look before we let you go, just wanted to check on the uh, relationship status with you and Danny Widler if we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> have, mate, you, have
2: you, have, have we we up you, bed. so yeah. funny, so funny, so he brought this up because he was doing a podcast recently and they yeah. talked about what's his biggest beefs and he brought my name up and I was thinking, well. It's not a big beef for me. Like I, I moved on yeah. past at that stage, but
0: you smoked him though in that video. Yeah, yeah, I
2: remember. I remember having a crack at him in that press conferences. Um, that press conference, I never forget. He was standing on my left. I could see the grin out of his face. And, and I is was this like,
0: like him in shot? You know, Danny's always yeah. Oh no, he's a, yeah, yeah. Man, I he's watched always, it this
2: morning. He's yeah, very
1: close. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's
2: always in shot, so he's there and he's grinning, and we have our little uh, back and forth that day. And then that's twenty fourteen. Or 13. he he turns up 2014 on grand final week he turns up at the uh the open press conference and i remember going downstairs and i saw the boys all sitting there and i was like boys danny Wadler's up there i said i'm not te- i'm not speaking to him i said you guys can if you want but it's up to you and then i think it was like sam stood up and said. If he's not speaking to him, none of us are speaking to him. <laughs> so he's at the NRL media day on grand final week. He needs to get some interviews. And the boy's coming saying, no, sorry, Dane. No, sorry, Dane. And he's <laughs> like, oh, and I just remember seeing him. I think, all right, you've had yours, you know? Yeah. So I, I haven't seen him for a long time. I go over to rugby. Like, what are we talking? How many years has this been since 2014? we are so at? Eight, nine eight what, nine, years nine, years nine this year. Nine, yeah, nine years. So I haven't seen him for a long time. I'm up in Brisbane this year, magic round, and I'm in town. I've got to go see – I've got an appointment in town, so I'm sitting in my car. Anyway, there's a van parked just in front of me, and I see this guy coming across the road with a cameraman and and someone, and I can't really see who they are until they get right in front of my car. The cameraman comes around to the boot, and he sort of, like – Acts as if like i'm too close and i'm like oh no worries, i'll move back so i move back he opens up puts his camera in and then i see danny's there and he's about three meters away from me and he looks and he sees me <laughs> through the win- <laughs> through my windscreen and he's looking at me and i'm looking at him <laughs> and he sort of mumbles to his cameraman he's like get the camera back out of the car type thing so the guy gets out gets in the car jumps back out danny jumps in the car he gets out the camera cameraman gets out presses record and just stands there he just stands by Danny's car Danny's in the car I can see him he's on the phone looking in his rear view mirror at me and he's just on the phone the whole time and I'm sitting there like man I'm here to see the optometrist like I'm not I'm not here to bash you mate like, like, I'm, here to get, I'm here to get some new contact lenses like and I can see him he's like on the phone looking and he's got a cameraman with, like, the red lights on. Record. So he's running it in case you He's running doing it, <laughs> and he's just standing outside his door. And I'm thinking, mate, this is ludicrous. Like, you've tracked <laughs>
1: him like, down.
2: You, like, I've tracked him down on Magic Round, knew where he parked his van, and I'm waiting for him. <laughs> like, and, I mean, seriously. Yeah. So in the end, like, he looks, he waits. The cameraman literally stands there for about five or six minutes, and then he you know, he must get the word, like, oh, he's not going to do anything. Boom Comes back around Puts the camera Back in the van A second time Gets in the car And they They hoon off And I'm just sitting there like He really thought He really thought He was going to get me there He thought he was going to oh, get Like yeah, a like, UFC clip yeah. Of me just coming out there <laughs> Ground and pound On the sidewalk <laughs> I mean that would have been All over TV yeah. But So Yeah that, That's where And then yeah, Two weeks later He does the podcast And says that We got beef And I'm You know Daniel, if there was beef, you would have seen it Outside the optometrist <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would have seen it Yeah okay, There you go uh, Yeah But uh, i got to give it to him though He's a real professional He wasn't going to miss the shot Was he <laughs> nah. Yeah Yeah you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah he knows true. good TV mate, Yeah He's in
0: the content game right? He's in the content, <laughs> in the content, in the content game content game I'd let mate, you bash me If it was on camera <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that camera rolling <laughs> Yeah mate. You Get Keep that it fucking rolling. camera rolling No matter how much I say help Do not <laughs> help me <laughs> Do not help me <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's, oh, good know, that's, mate. that's good to know, man. Um, yeah, good to know. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, it's been fun. All right. Cheers, guys. We've got some comfy
2: chairs here. Yeah, yeah, no, they're very could nice. It's talk all day they're here. Yeah, soft, you, could. I you yeah. can. No, I loved it. Thanks, brother. Nah, awesome. Cheers, thanks, guys. Could you two just not talk anymore?